Welcome to Supplier Experience Live from Hicks, where we explore all the latest topics, trends, and discussion points in the world of procurement, procurement technology, and supplier experience management. Welcome to this episode of Supplier Experience Live. My name is Duncan Clark, and today we're discussing the whole notion of digital procurement in 2022. For this topic, I'm delighted to say we're being joined by experts in the field. Charlotte de Brabant, a self-confessed digital enthusiast with over 10 years experience in global procurement, and Max Kent, Vice President of Global Procurement at Complete Software. Now, a good starting point for this podcast is actually a quotation from Kinsey Research, which says, Companies have accelerated the digitalization of their customer and supply chain interactions and their internal operations by three to four years off of the back of COVID. Interesting statement. And I wondered, Charlotte, first of all, starting with you, in relation to that, what have you seen happening here? Why do you think it's happening? Why the acceleration and why so fast? Absolutely. Thank you, Duncan, for this great question. Um, I actually have also come across that report and there was really great research that McKinsey did because COVID forced many companies and organizations just all of a sudden to adopt digital enabled products to become completely digital. And this has really been accelerated just over the past year. Um, but the speed to adoption has just been drastic. And I think we are seeing much long lasting impacts through this. Companies are forced to suddenly take investments, uh, get funding for digital initiatives, and it has increased, in my opinion, more than anything else, really. So just in, in the few months of, of the COVID crisis, many companies, and it, does, it doesn't really matter what sectors or regions, because we saw that somehow all of the businesses got affected. Um, they, they had to adopt in order to stay competitive, um, to adjust to this new business economic environment. Um, they had to suddenly benchmark best practice strategies and I think the, the pandemic has really taught us to just look outside of, of the box. Um, and there's also been a, a drastic change towards online channels, the way we look at con customers, consumers. So um, there has been, due to this increase of accelerated digitization, um, companies had to adjust. And I think due to this, sudden disrupt, disruption and innovations that we've seen. Uh, we just need to look into the future. How secure are, are the systems? Um, how are we treating our data? How are we looking at information security? Um, now the other topic of cybersecurity, but how safe is our data through the sudden adjustment? So um, in my opinion, we just need to not rush into this completely, but we to some extent, need to be aware of what other companies are doing by constant benchmarking and best practice sharing. Absolutely. Uh, and Max, three to four years, I mean, that is some acceleration, right? So what's your experience of this been? Oh, it's been, a, I mean, a whole story to tell around all of this, obviously. I think everyone's got their own kind of lockdown COVID story to tell. But I mean, from our perspective, my perspective, we were started the January 2020. I was at a conference in in Atlanta um, with the procurement organisation, and I remember we were having breakfast, and 
talking about this disease that had um, suddenly come, come about in Wuhan. And we were wondering if it would be a problem. We were all saying, I wonder if this will spread. You know, we've got to get back, get the flights back. Is it going to affect things? That was the last meeting I had, I think, for two years that was face to face. And we went out through the roof in terms of demand, you know, in terms of people wanting to access their data, wanting to automate their procurement processes, finding that their suppliers were not getting paid because all the invoices were going to office locations where no one was. So you got paper invoices going to places where they're never going to get paid, they're never going to get picked up. So straight away, people are going to things like AP processes and say, we need to automate. We need to still get this data. Then we need to look at our cost savings because everything's changing around that. Some of the stats, I mean, McKinsey saying three years, I heard sort of 10 years in terms of digital acceleration. I've never seen it go forward as fast. You know, we we're all in you know in the in the world of selling our products and services and, and you know that's never the easiest job but suddenly you've got all these businesses talking to you about about what it is you're doing and saying well actually we need this now we know we know we've thought about it before but actually the time is now to do something about it because our hands been forced by the pandemic and i don't think that's going to go back i think we're just going to carry on with that trend now i think the the wheels are, are turning now um, and actually, there's been some really good positive benefits from that. So the technology has increased. There's lots of other companies thinking about niche areas within procurement. So whilst a lot of companies have got it right and, and starting to improve, starting to get the right things in place, there's all the little links in place. And, you know, we, we can talk about sort of best in class approaches and how that all fits together. But it's all it's all happening. So I think it's actually that's one of the positive benefits that's actually come from the pandemic. And just summarising that as a sort of digital first approach, and Max, you mentioned there the transition from paper invoices and then suddenly that demand for data, which really I think brings it home as to what data is available and what isn't when, when you need it quickly. Do you think, therefore, that companies are now ready to adopt a digital first approach? And what are some of the challenges that you've seen them come up against as they've try to move towards that that type of approach i think it comes down to the leadership team and and who's on top who's who's looking at these decisions and you might have some elements of the directorship and the senior leadership team you know really pushing for this approach and others that see it as a, an investment that that doesn't need to be made because things are on the surface still working the way they've always worked that's the visibility that the data will give you and it will give you the true picture to see how your business is actually performing and I think that can be quite uh, eye-opening um, it's probably an understatement really for some companies when they actually see the data and see their reports and go well, actually now we've got this how how on earth do we manage to run our business in any other way so yeah I think they're all every business is looking at it there's more and more demand there's certainly more and more investment going into companies that are starting up to have technologies that play to this so um i think that the challenges with most businesses doing this is just getting the leadership team to all agree that this is something they need to do finding the investment for it and moving forward um going into public sector the uk education market it's then justifying that to the trustees and justifying that to people again who may be a bit sort of backwards or set in their ways really sort of looking at these technologies and going oh well do we really need this is this is a, it's a lot of money for something that's in the cloud 
So why would we why would we spend all that money? Um, and then you have to get into the whole you know justification process, which is which is another challenge. But yeah, it's happening, and and it's um, yeah, it's starting to snowball. I think. Absolutely, and and Charlotte, what's your experience been? Are we are we ready for for digital first? Are there still challenges, for example, convincing leadership? What what are you seeing out there? Absolutely, and I actually have to. I, I agree with Max fully. The the speed that we are working at is just drastic over the past months and and really couple of years. But I think um, we are definitely facing a digital first approach, especially uh, that digital is truly being incorporated in corporate strategies. And we need to see the digital strategy and the corporate strategy really as the same going forward. And um, and I, I, I agree with the whole challenge to get strong leadership alignment. But I believe if we have a clear laid out digital corporate strategy in place, this will help us to show leadership our mission, our vision, how we overcome certain challenges. Why is it, um, why is it really the digital first approach? And overall, I, I think though that there will be a lot of other challenges also coming into place. So for example, um, this whole managing then the whole change, change management and how to go about disruptions um, to make all of the transformations a, a true success. So I think it will first start within corporations. It will first start with, with the mind shift change because, of course, everyone um, receives change differently and either they accept it, they adopt it or others they also take longer to adopt. So I think really it comes down to educating the workforce. Why are we changing certain systems? Why are we going to digital? What are the opportunities? And then just to make sure that or the whole workforce is also um, up to date and fully educated because there is no point having a strong leadership approach and the leadership know what they're doing if the workforce at the end don't know where they are completely heading towards. So managing this change from this organizational point of view, I think this will be crucial going forward. Absolutely. And Charlotte, you mentioned there um, the, the aspect of change management, which, as you say, hugely important. Part of that is also to do with the systems. And Max, I know you've mentioned before um, being comfortable with multiple procurement systems, uh, multiple procurement based systems is going to be a must for all talent going forward. I'd like to unpack that a little bit. So could you explain a little bit more in terms of what systems you're seeing, why multiple systems, and perhaps a little bit around why these multiple systems are a better option than, say, what was perhaps the traditional approach, which was to try and do that with single suites, for example? Yeah, no, it's, the world's changed again, hasn't it? Because I think what we're seeing, if I go back 10 years um, when I was sort of selling in supply chain, working in um, the public sector, and at that time, a lot of the universities in the UK had grants to implement um, purchase pay systems. Um, and they were incredibly expensive, took a long time to install. They definitely worked when they got there. But you were dealing with things like hosted catalogs and um, uploads of pricing spreadsheets. And as a supplier, you didn't get your invoice paid if your if your order didn't match. So there was kind of those things were in place, but reserved for the likes of the largest organisations and anyone who had enough of a grant funding in the public sector to actually install them. What we're seeing now is that all of those technologies are being 
kind of spread out into different pieces of software that are far more affordable for the SME and, you know, other markets, other industries. So they can access elements of that technology, but may not need all of it. So the better, the sort of the biggest um, systems out there, and we all know who they are, the sort of main kind of enterprise players, they 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 can't, I don't think, come down the market because of the the level of implementation, consultancy and complexity, and the fact that you probably need full-time staff to run those systems on site. So everything's becoming a lot more plug and play, a lot more automated. You know, I've seen systems now that are in the cloud. This is a full-blown procurement systems in the cloud, can be installed within you know, a day, they integrate with the finance system, there's no consultancy needed, it just goes live. But that's one element. And that's where we're talking about best in class, that may just take care of your invoice processing, it may take care of your purchase ordering, it might take care of your uh, punch out integrations to particular suppliers. Um, it might just be middleware that makes certain systems talk to each other. But each one of those, I think, they're all talking they're all working out how they can play together so it's this collaboration of digital technologies i think that's happening it means that anyone working in procurement is much less about i think unless you're a specialist in a sp particular category or sector that's different again if you're working in an organization as a procurement person you're going to be faced with multiple software technologies to use so the point I was making is that the more comfortable you are with multiple pieces of software means that you can go to different businesses, different companies. And really how it's going now with with remote working is you could literally switch your screen on one day and be working for one company on one system. And the next day you could be working for a totally different company on a totally different system. The premise of it will all be the same, but it might just be that things are laid out slightly differently. So the better you can be au fait with those systems, I think the more you know, the more you'll make yourself um, attractive in the jobs market for if nothing else. Um, but it's it's that skill set, I think, is just going to get more and more valuable. Definitely. I think some some great advice there. And you mentioned the, the SMB aspect, but Charlotte, obviously, you've got experience also within large organisations as well. So I just wondered, same experience, are we looking at proliferation of systems and therefore that flexibility to be able to use multiple systems becoming more and more important? Absolutely. And I, I just cannot mention this enough. I mean, I worked in five different industries and also within one industry, within um, one of my industries, within different continents, they also had different systems. So at the end, you need to constantly be open to adopt, to learn, to understand what is the market doing and 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 not block it off or wait because there is no time to wait you need to adapt you need to understand all of the different um procurement functions which which are uh, which functions are, are related to which systems and um and just looking forward this will also by knowing these systems this will save you time and be able to adopt to automation and spend and, and give you time to focus more on strategic activities, what the business really needs going forward. So I think this is a tremendous change also on the mind shift. And it doesn't matter what generation you are at, uh, how long you've been in industry for, um, for how many years you've you've done your, your procurement job already. At the end, um, you cannot compare what procurement was 10 years ago to what it is now. And um, 
and procurement has gone through so many different shifts. If you look at the way we partner or negotiate, or the if you look at the role of procurement, how it has emerged and changed. Um, I remember when I joined procurement 14 years ago, and I was just given 50 different processes to learn, to uh, to just adapt, learn, and execute. But now you cannot just give processes to a to a talent and expect them to learn and, and go with it. Now you need to be super flexible. You need to tell the talent where are we going, what is the end result, and these are the systems we are working towards, but let them try and figure it out because you'll be surprised. Our digital natives out there, how incredibly creative they are, how fast they are to, to these technologies. And by the time many of us have even understood and learned certain technologies, they are already miles ahead of the game. Now, Charlotte, talking about certain technologies, you mentioned a bit of a keyword for me there, which was automation. So thinking about automation and self-service, um, mm -hmm. and then what you were saying around um, actually your experience when you entered procurement, those types of things um, will be able to improve the experience for users, right? Is that something that you're seeing? So. Um, these improved processes are, are bringing about change for, for the better for people in, entering the profession today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the famous saying, customer is king. I mean, this rule truly applies. And, and through this whole transformation of these digital technologies, we've, we, we, we've seen how personalization, uh, customization, these are key elements. And I think... Um, looking at automation and and uh, self-serving improvement going forward, um, there will be a lot quicker service. So many customers, once they become automated in their systems, uh, generally it's they also make decisions a lot a lot faster. Uh, certain processes are just being accelerated. Altogether, we see a lot less stress because somehow the the customers in control. They get to make their own decisions. Um, they feel empowered. So um, so in a way, they also have this stress-free environment that they don't need to wait for others to make certain implementations into their um, systems or, or processes just because of this whole self-service access. And also, I think a great benefit um, that we see is just this whole customer getting customer data in real time, getting your own data in real time through automation, through... Um, self-service, um, the customers are able to also run certain analytics at, at, at real time and be able to self-service themselves. So I think with these systems that we have in place and um, with this whole trend, how to improve user experience with automation and self-service, um, there are some 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 great benefits which which are waiting for us in that sense definitely so actually uh, just to pick up on the benefits max and of course um, automation self-service massive topic but huge benefits for organizations as well so just wondering what what have you seen there it's uh what what are they saying we're in the middle of the fourth industrial revolution and um it's, it all plays to that doesn't it it's it's yeah. um you've got and i see some sort of protectionism around job roles actually where you've got a lot of these technologies coming in and people saying well uh, you know do we need to automate our invoice invoice processing or do we need to automate this particular job because we've got a team of people doing that 
and why would we need to replace it? And you know, it's the same as looking around. I suppose what two hundred years ago when they're saying, "Well, we've got all these horses. Why do we need cars?" Um, it's it's the same thing. It's progress, and it's and it's got to be adopted, and and it's making all of these kind of older manual tasks and and various elements of the business processing so much faster and easier and we're not going to progress unless we adopt these technologies so we have to automate we have to look at these technologies and i think businesses are not going to survive unless they start to look at it as we've already said on the podcast these technologies are becoming cheaper and more accessible so you know you can actually it's not reserved for the likes of the enterprise corporate business market now uh, there's loads of solutions out there where you can automate all number of different processes from sort of rpa and looking at individual manual tasks with a business that are unique to them that can be automated the basics of invoices and just paperwork coming into any business could be automated there's all sorts of things in between it that can be done um it's it's really you know every business needs to look at what they're doing what the structure is and how elements of that can be automated and what the return on investment is. And I think that it's a journey everyone needs to go on really. And um, it's it's huge benefits, huge time savings, huge cost savings um, that in processes that just don't need to be you know, wasteful to always have these carried out by by humans. Now, the, the amount of error risk you add into a process, you know, it's just it's just open to um, you know, mistakes being made and problems, and we could, we should be getting past that now. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm all for it, and and it will improve our lives. So yeah, um. yeah, definitely. And talking about the uh, issues side of things, of course, the elephant in the room, as always, is data, because to do this, uh, the foundation has to be good data. So we can't ignore that. It comes up in the Deloitte study again and again. It's one of the big obstacles that's that's holding procurement back. Um, why do you think that still is the case? And again, is is that improving? I'll, I'll start with you, Max, first. Uh, two, the two biggest things for me personally is the end-to-end purchasing process. So at one end, you've got someone raising an order. You've got the other end of a supplier's invoice coming in. And there's your two problems. So any number of interpretations of raising a purchase order can be made. So that is a whoever's raising the order that's their kind of take on what it was they think they're buying and how many and what they're paying for it and that might match the invoice or it might not you know we're looking at things like punch out punch in um and different technologies around supplier integrations where that is automated they you know whoever needs stuff will say i need to place this order let's go to the supplier's website or a hosted version of it or however that works but it's the supplier's product file data that is inputted into the purchase order and that's the key part that means the data's clean from the start you then move on to the invoice side and if you think however many millions of invoice formats i mean wouldn't it be great if the whole world said we're going to have one invoice format and that's what an invoice looks like um and that would that would solve it all but it's not there's there's so many different versions and layouts and that's just on the base format of that document you then you know people will think they're being helpful by writing all over that document and scanning it and rolling it into a ball and then sending it into basically to to say well automate that and um 
you know that that's not helping so that the it's, it's all these kind of manual processes and lack of standard formats that create the issue so you've got you know our company and many many others looking at invoices and saying well yeah if it comes in in that format we can automate it if it doesn't then you offshore it and it's that's you know it still goes back to people then so that's the the problem it's that standardization of formats i think is the real key to it and once everyone says well if we all work together then surely our data will be better you know hopefully that will happen but it's a yeah i can't see that happening overnight to be honest it's a, it's a big 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 uh thing to fix i think so i think it's around the technology getting more and more clever with the myriad of different documents and and inputs they receive and Charlotte, to turn to you then, the, the data dilemma, what are you seeing? Yeah, big dilemma from, from an industry point of view, having been in, in industry for, for 14 years, um, I, 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 I see that the data issue has just not been resolved. Getting real-time supplier data, you still find so many different colleagues, departments, they, they capture their supplier data. Uh, on on Excel spreadsheets and um, and this is it's it's just I would say one of the the weakest parts going just w w which are happening and I'm so surprised with all of our advancement in our technologies that this seems to still be one of the um, areas where we must improve our supplier data management and actually there was a really interesting article I read recently by Dan and um, Bradstreet and they found that 20% of businesses uh, addresses and 17% of businesses names change a year so you can just imagine if you have a business with 10,000 suppliers you'd need to at least update around 2,000 each year to keep your supplier data accurate and again and that update that manual update is not happening automated right now so you need resources for that you need certain people to constantly persistently update your your database and get rid of all of these single excel sheets that are running around the company but make sure that everything is captured in in one place and i see this as one of the areas where we need to improve our data management, um, this will help with just better better quality, better predictive analytics, and establishing really a new framework for uh, master data governance, master data management. Um, I, I can really urge companies to go into that field. And my previous company, actually, they had a big restructure, and they even set up a completely new master data team from scratch. Um, as a matter of fact, even two in globally, but specializing one for the whole of Europe, having a really a government a governance in place, a stewardship where where certain resources cannot say it's not my role and responsibility. No, it's actually their role and responsibility and making people accountable to put in certain changes to update your supplier base. I think this will, in every aspect, help help companies tremendously to get the base right when it comes to supplier collaboration and supplier data management. And Charlotte, you mentioned uh, Excel spreadsheets. I, I love a good Excel spreadsheet, but I'm going to go from one end of the spectrum to the other now, which is uh, and address one of my favorite questions, which is, 
at the other end, what are some of the, the coolest, newest innovations that you're, you've seen coming about in, in procurement? So from a technology perspective, what are you excited about? Mm -hmm. Well, for me personally, is this whole predictive main um, predictive analytics? Just because I've worked for so many years in direct uh, in indirect procurement, uh, specializing on MRO, uh, traveling from warehouse to warehouse, and having predictive analytics in place, helping the team through um, the Internet of Things, through different predi predictive analytic tools to be able to source accurately and um, and have a more have a much better analytical driven approach to procurement I think this will resolve quite a lot of challenges going forward being more strategic in terms of price in terms of bundling activities so I see this as definitely one whole area which can definitely be improved um, and will be improved and also um, in terms of predictive analytics, maintenance. So just imagine all of the improvements in warehouses you will have in the future, automated warehouses where certain warehouses will know where they need certain equipments, where they need certain resources. And you don't need these buyers anymore to make the purchase order for you, but through technologies, um, it can to be automated um, and and reorders can take place when certain warehouses stocks are running low so i'm really excited about that technology otherwise as max mentioned before which i'm sure he'll talk about more is also the whole cloud-based platforms that we are moving towards and um and that whole technology solution is just flourishing at the moment when it comes to global procurement technologies and i think it's anticipated that Right now, there is like a $3.2 billion market um, in this whole cloud-based solution. And then the third part is the whole improved uh, collaboration with ERP softwares and purchasing models, the whole procure-to-pay solution. So I see these three as, as really um, thriving technologies in the future. Definitely, definitely. And, and over to you, Max, then, what's, uh, what's your take on this? Oh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun time, I have to say. I think you've got a lot of different exciting technologies coming through. I mean, we are heavily involved in Azure Data Lake technology, Databricks, linking that to visualization tools, um, Power BI being used by more and more organizations, then more advanced visualization tools being adopted by software authors to really bring out the analytics and predictive analytics, as, as Charlotte says, I think is the next stage to it where you've got more companies, I think, you know, spend analytics or just visibility of really granular, decent data and decent reporting, you know, you see so many ERP systems out there and that people say, well, that's a different module or that's an add-on or you've got the basic reporting, but it needs to be configured or developed mm -hmm. to get you that single source of the truth. That's that's sort of becoming a lot more um, available now. So you can get a lot more reporting and, and visibility further down the, the chain. So again, this point about smaller businesses being able to access enterprise level technologies they're starting to see these kind of analytics and it's the first time they've really been able to view what their organization is up to and that that's really cool and it's and it's really eye-opening for for businesses who've never seen it before i mean we've had some huge cost savings with businesses going we just didn't even know we were using that supplier we didn't even know we were spending that much money we didn't know that our 
key supplier is charging us different pricing in all of our locations. I mean, it just goes on and on. Um, but the best thing now is seeing the insights start to come through from the analytics. It's not just saying, here's your data and here's what you're doing. It's saying, well, what could you actually do with it? So the the analytics tools we're seeing starting to get more and more clever with sort of proactive insights to say, well, you could do this with it. Or, you know, we talked about sustainability before, but look, putting in things about well, if you reduced your deliveries with this particular supplier to this site, you would save X amount of carbon. So that's coming out in all the analytics tools now. So it's really exciting seeing all of this coming through and, you know, more and more companies can get involved in it and really see how it can benefit them. So it's an exciting time to be be involved in it all round, I would say. And of course, Max, in order to get the uh, investment for the, the technologies, you've got to be able to put together the business case, make the business case to the organisation. Any advice around that? Um, yeah, I think the the it's always this cynicism. I think with when you link cost savings to procurement technology, to say, well, if you put this piece of software in, you will save ten million pounds a year. And the first thing a CFO that you're talking to will say is, well, what? How do you know more about my business than I do? So um, there's that journey you have to take people on, and a lot of the time we will get involved up front on some form of data analysis to say let's do a bit of a proof of concept so give us something to look at and you know we've seen huge savings uh, as i said before just by going well you're we've we've looked at a few suppliers we've looked at a bit of the data this is the start of the journey straight away by not buying from them and buying from this company instead which you're already using you're using two companies for the same thing actually this one over here is now we've looked at it far cheaper provides a better service is has a better integration to all your technologies works with your finance system better and also is now we can see achieving a lower carbon impact for the same amount of volume being purchased so you wouldn't know that unless you had some sort of new style procurement technology installed and and giving you that oversight so um yeah it's it's that's what's making the changes i think and, and John, it's same for enterprises, isn't it? You, you still have to make the business case for the investment in the technology. So what have you seen there? Uh, absolutely. I mean, for especially procurement is, is seen as really this, this process enabler. And therefore, we, we shouldn't wait until procurement has an ask. We should really showcase what technologies are all about what they can do and not wait for the business or enterprise until they have another uh, wish. At the end, we need to be the, the go-getters to really illustrate what technologies are out there. And um, I read this interesting study from Professor Maholz um, from Germany, actually, from the University of, of Mannheim. And he made, uh, he did an extensive study on procurement processes and said that when enterprises start to adopt um, certain technologies for indirect procurement, for example, and there's actually a, on average, a 20% cost cutting chance. And so I think help seeing these studies from institutions, from, um, from third party consultancies, but again, having 
seeing these studies being made in enterprise and in certain industries, this will definitely help to illustrate the business case and the, that there must be a trend. There is surely uh, something right by these studies. So how can we then implement it and make it relevant for our industry? So I think leadership, they would really need to start to look at what other companies are doing, what are certain studies, trends out there, um, what are the ways uh, that we can start to to automate and um, and and really get rid of some of these traditional old procurement um, processes, but actually look at the future and and then see at just see what what tools they can at least start with, because at the end it's supposed to benefit the talents. It is supposed to benefit the workforce. So I think um, looking at the whole pitch, um, really making it relevant to the talents, to the workforce, how cost-cutting, time-effective certain technologies will be and um, and understanding what needs will be covered by and what, what motivations and what goals by which technology. I think this um, this will help to clear-cut the case. I think that's a, a great lead-in to my final question, actually, um, which mm -hmm. is opportunities because, of course, all of the digitization results in uh, in great opportunities. So just to end our conversation, um, Charlotte, I'll start with you. What are what are the big opportunities that, that you see? Well, we're, we're living in such a, as they say, VUCA world, volatile, unpredictable, complex and ambiguous world of so many tech companies and industries, which they are all, we're in this worldwide web of supply chains, all very much interrelated. So uh, we had to think how, how procurement will interact with each other and with all of these digital technologies going forward, some faster, some a bit in the long run. But, um, but I see that there is a clear opportunity for a lot more um, strategic action to be taken. Uh, companies will need to integrate digitalization into their main co-competency, strategic um, vision and mission going forward. And, um, and there is no way around it. So rethinking procurement, how, um, how we can structure ourselves. And this actually is a really good point because some companies have procurement still placed under finance, but other companies, and one of my last companies I worked at, they then moved from finance and they, they went into supply chain. So we, you can't really have just a general viewpoint, this is procurement, this is how it will change. But you need to see how is it being looked at, where, do, where is it located within the company, and, and making it more relevant to that certain company and that certain industry. Great insight. Thank you for that, Charlotte. And uh, Max, uh, same question to you, the, the opportunities that, that you see. Yeah, I think procurement will um, have more of a strategic role to play in all businesses going forward. And I think it's it's certainly got a bigger seat at the table now in a lot of businesses where certainly in the last two years for everything we've spoken about in, in the last last half an hour or so, it's being more and more of an important role to play in a business. They've got to handle, have a handle on their costs and it can't just be finance looking at what the money is, where the money is being spent and saying we either do or don't spend it. It's got to be more of a informed strategic decision on what the impact of that particular supply choice or that particular category and how that's purchased, how it's implemented and how it affects the business it's rolled out to. That's squarely with procurement and it has such an impact in an organization more so now than ever 
um that's a that's a sort of strategic level and i think at end user level what i think is going to happen is already happening is more empowerment to the end user to say you've got more choices to make as long as you use these systems the framework is set for you but you can now make your own choices on who you use and which suppliers you want to bring in and and, and i think that the technologies lend itself to that actually so you're going to see more more end users doing what they need to do faster without with more autonomy and procurement at strategic level having more of a voice in the leadership team um i think across most businesses i think it has to so i think that's definitely what we'll see continuing yeah, into into the next few years brilliant more empowerment i think a really great point to uh, to end on there so thank you both for for joining us for the podcast and for the fascinating discussion today If you enjoyed today's podcast, please don't forget to hit the like or subscribe button. Or for more information about us, visit our website, www.hicks.com.